Join me in celebrating all that God is up to in the life of this. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Caitlin. Uh, if you want to open up your Bible to Romans chapter 5, the words will be on the screen as well. If you don't have your Bible, if you're wrangling kids, it's no big deal. The words will be up there. We have done 13 sermons in Romans chapter 5. Is such a thing possible? We have proven that it is. And today we end our time in this passage. And we're not going to dive real deep today because there's really just one thing that I want us to consider. And I'd love for you to just maybe to kind of look at me for a second because I've got a question that's been on my heart for you. It's a question that somebody asked me a couple of years ago and I, I didn't really know how to answer. What do you expect when you fail? Like, what do you expect will happen when your very worst shows up? What do you expect when all of a sudden the lights come on and the mask falls and all of a sudden your very worst is on display? Because I, I know what I expect. I've had some time to think about it. My muscle memory, my heart, when the lights come on and it appears that my very worst can be hidden no longer, do you know what I expect? Shame. Condemnation. Rejection. Disgust. Whenever, whenever it's been made clear that I'm an absolute failure, and if you haven't had this moment yet, you will. When all of a sudden it's clear that there's nothing about me that I can pretend is good enough, I'm expecting to be greeted with shame, rejection, condemnation. And I think this is one of the reasons why we spend so much time trying to hide the very worst of ourselves. Because we are convinced, we are convinced that if it shows up, all we're going to get is rejection. At the end of our service, we're, we're, we're going to walk outside and we're going to celebrate what God has done in the work of salvation through baptism together. But before we do that, I want us to just consider one thing today in light of this passage. Just one thing that I want you to hear from me today. And then if this is all you hear, then I will be content. When you bring Jesus your worst, God gives you his best. When you bring Jesus your worst, God, he gives you his best. This is what grace is. Look at Romans 5, verse 18 through 21. Let me read it for us, and then I'll say this is the word of the Lord. The reason we do that is so that we can give thanks to God and respond by saying thanks be to God. Romans 5, verse 18. Therefore, as one tra trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you are here today and you have heard the good news of the gospel. You've heard about a savior who has come to save the world from sin. You've heard of the son of God who came from heaven down to earth to save sinners. You may even think the story is good. You may even think the story is compelling. 
but you've never cried out to God for forgiveness. You may think the story is true. You may be able to answer all of the right questions on the Christian quiz, but you have never come to a place where you brought God your worst because you are terrified of what he would say to you. You're terrified that God would say to you what you would say to you. Or maybe what a mother has said to you. Or a father. Or a friend. Or a spouse. Or a boss. And yet God is none of those things. He is so different from what you might imagine. And it is so hard for us to believe that if we come to him and we bring him the very worst that we have, the stuff that we have spent a lifetime trying to bury and to hide, that when God sees that, he'll give us grace. And I know that for many of us, it's much more tempting to keep the mask up. It's much more tempting to keep our mask, to hide our face. You'd rather keep pretending that you and God are good. Or at the very least, when you know you're not, you would love to keep pretending that you would like to stay in an uncertain position with God. Because you're scared. You're scared that if you drop the mask, the mask that hides our imperfections and our failures, God will condemn you and the world will reject you. And yet this entire fall, we have explored the fundamental gospel reality that the good news of the gospel is better than the bad news of the world. If you give the world the worst of you, they will destroy you. They will eat you up and spit you out. But if you give God the worst of you, do you know what he extends to you? The gift of grace unimaginable grace, grace that you desperately need, a grace that we're born into this world desperately lacking. And Paul is saying in this passage, when you give God your worst, he gives you his best. Do you know what happens to great sinners when they encounter the mercy and love of God? He covers their great sin with greater grace. And if you do not believe this, Ask somebody. I'll tell you, I know how deep the stain of sin was on my life. I don't need to show you my track record to know in my heart of hearts that if you are looking for a failure, you would have found one. That's who I was. That's who we all are by nature. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished in this world. There is no amount of wins you can stack up to outweigh the loss that you're born with. It is a debt that no one can repay but God. And that would be terrible news for you and for me if God was not willing to pay that debt. And yet he is. By the one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Righteous, this thing that we desperately need to be in relationship with God. And yet we are born into this world without it. Broken from the start. Unrighteous from the very beginning. And God provides it in Jesus. God provides a greater grace. He provides what Paul says here is an abounding grace. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Is your life marked by a heap of sin? Let me tell you something. You bring that to God and you will get a grace that is far greater than it. All of your sin, it doesn't matter how big the number is for you. God's grace runs deeper. It is a grace that abounds all the more. And whether you are a 10-year-old or a 50-year-old, we are born into this world absolutely shattered by sin and headed towards death forever. 
And then God steps in and he does the unbelievable. He does the completely unexpected. He does what you and I would never do. He brings grace. And not just a little grace. He brings abounding grace. He brings an abounding grace that you desperately need. He brings an abounding grace that will cover all your sins. He brings an abounding grace that will cleanse you from your shame. He brings an abounding grace that can restore your marriage. He brings an abounding grace that will make you holy. He brings an abounding grace that will make you whole. This is what God and God alone can do. And his grace is that he does it. He does it. We need it. God has it and he gives it freely. This is the kindness of God. It is unimaginable mercy. It is overflowing love. It is an inexhaustible well of forgiveness. And so many of us are content by saying, that's for everyone but me. Either because I don't believe I need it or because I don't believe God would give it. And let me tell you something, your need is greater than you would imagine, and God's grace is even greater than that. That's what God's grace is. He brings an abounding grace that is big enough for adulterers. He brings an abounding grace that is big enough for liars. He brings an abounding grace that is big enough for failures. He brings an abounding grace that's big enough for addicts. He brings an abounding grace that's big enough for secret sinners. He brings an abounding grace for people who are shamed. That's all of us. I don't know why you're here today. I I don't. There's so many of you I don't recognize. And maybe you're here celebrating the dedication of a child, baptism. Maybe this is just your first Sunday. Maybe somebody invited you today. And I can tell you this. I know two things about you because I know them about me. I know that you were born into this world broken from the start, desperately needing a grace and a righteousness that you can't get on your own. And I know that God provides it in Jesus. I don't know where you're coming from. And I don't know why you're here. But who you are, who I am, is a needy person for the abounding grace of God. A needy person for the increasing grace of God. There comes a moment in your life when God brings you to a place where you can no longer deny the need. And he showcases the solution. And for whatever reason you thought you were here today, God has brought you here today to hear that good news. That your need is great and God's grace is greater. That your failure is great and God's victory is greater. That your need for forgiveness is great and God's desire to forgive you is greater. That's why you're here today. That is why God has brought you here today for a moment to hear about the good news of the gospel and to maybe for once believe that all the costs that come with dropping the facade, the impression, the mask, the hollow life that you have settled for, all of the costs that attend to it, and I won't pretend that it's not costly. It is costly. But all of those costs are outweighed by the reward of God's righteousness by the confidence of being able to know that we do not have to be uncertain about what God thinks of us, but that we can know that God has invited us to receive an ever-increasing, ever-abounding grace in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Let me appeal to you today. Come to Jesus. 
He's better than whatever you're going to settle for. He's better than whatever you're settling for now. Come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Aren't you exhausted? Aren't you exhausted with trying to win a grace that God provides freely? Aren't you exhausted trying to prove to the world that you're worthy when God gives you that name freely in Jesus? Aren't you exhausted trying to always measure up to your own expectations or to the expectations of people who are constantly changing the game on you? Aren't you exhausted? Aren't you weary? Aren't you tired? God is inviting you to know a rest, a rest that is deeper than you can imagine and that comes in only one place, which is the abounding grace of God in Jesus. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, I've got one message for the people of Mosaic. If you come back in the next 51 Sundays over the next year, the beginning and the end of every message is Jesus. And that's what it is today. Christ has come. Christ is coming. And you are in the period of invitation. Why choose to live outside of the greatest gift you can know? Come to Jesus and experience salvation. Come to Jesus and experience rest. Come to Jesus and receive from him what you'll never receive from the world, forgiveness and freedom. It's good news for us. It's good news for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the good news of the gospel. I pray, God, that you would be merciful to us, that you would remind us of the good news. I pray that for those in here who could even feel the burden and the tug of their heart, they could feel the pull. It, God, they, they know that there is a cost. They know that they're wearing a mask. They can feel you inviting them in to something deep and transformative. And yet it feels scary. I pray, God, that you would give them the boldness to move forward in faith. I want us all to just take a moment in here, and I want you to just pray. Maybe for some of you in here this morning, today is the day of salvation. Maybe for some of you that you know the Lord has brought you here, you can feel the pull in your heart. You can feel the power of the gospel and the spirit of God. And you know things are not well with you. Things are not right between you and God. You know that there is a grave uncertainty in your heart and mind as to where you stand with God. I want to invite you to just pray to God and say, God, would you make me whole? God, would you make me new? There's not a... There's not a mantra here. It's not a, it's not a spell. It's not an incantation. It's not a formula. But right where you're at, you can cry out to God. You can just pray in the quietness of your heart, and you can say, God, I need you. I need this grace. I want to give you a moment just to pray. I'm going to invite the band to just begin to just move us towards worshiping and song. And as you do that, just, just to confess to God, God, this is where I find myself today. Would you pull me in to your grace? Would you save me? God, I need this righteousness. I need this grace.
Lord, I pray, I know that there are some in the room this morning, God, that have never placed their faith in you, that have never trusted in you for salvation. God, I pray that this would be the morning where they would realize that everything can change because of your grace, that the debt of sin has been paid for by the Son of God, Jesus. And I pray that this would be the day where they would take up that inheritance by grace through faith in Jesus, that they would trust in Jesus, that they would cry out and say, God, would you save me? Christ, would you save me? Would you grant me the forgiveness I need? Would you pull me out of the depth of sin? Would you cleanse me of my shame? For some of you, I just... I want to invite you to begin to pray. You feel like, okay, yeah, I, I felt like I settled the conversation with God years ago. But over these years, there is a distance that has emerged between I and him. And I don't know what to do about it. I want to invite you to just pray right now and pray, God, would you draw near to me? God, would you restore to me like the psalmist prays, restore to me the joy of your salvation, oh God. Please, God. We have come to you in our need and in our dependency. We have heard the good news of the gospel. Give us hearts to believe, Holy Spirit. Give us the gift of faith. Grant us the grace of salvation, God. As we continue to pray, I just want to invite you. As you're praying right now. feel like, man, the Lord is up to something in my life, and I just need to talk with somebody today. I'm not going to have you come up to the front. I know nobody wants to do that. But if you're feeling like, hey, I need to talk with somebody today about God's work in my life, I, I want to receive salvation. I need to receive prayer. If you just would raise your hand. I'm, you're, I'm not going to pull you out. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But if you're saying, I, I just need to speak with somebody about coming to faith in Jesus today, trusting in Christ for salvation. Nobody's looking around. There's no quota we're meeting. We just want to be able to respond with you. To trust in Jesus. Talk. Father, we confess and we acknowledge that your grace is greater than we would dare to imagine. God, that we would be able to hope in salvation. That we would be able to trust in Christ. God, I know that there are many in this room today who are terrified that if they bring you, their worst. All they're going to get is shame. All they're going to get is rejection. All they're going to get is what they've already received from someone else, from the world, and yet your grace is abounding. Your grace is ever increasing. You take strangers and you make them sons and daughters, and I pray that you would do so. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in the name of Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me? as we worship in song together. The band's going to lead us as we sing together. And some of the pastors of Mosaic, our women's ministry team, we're going to be in the back, back there, behind you. We're going to be in the back. And maybe today you've prayed to receive salvation. And you just like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. I'm terrified to talk about it with somebody. Is it going to feel weird if I, if I maybe I've been pretending something? 
Let me tell you something. Better for the mask to fall before your spouse or your friend or your family than to fall before God. But I just would invite you, if you've received Christ or if you're saying, I need prayer. My life is in shambles. I don't even know what I need, but I know that I need prayer. I need someone to pray for me and to ask ask that God would move in my life. We're going to be in the back, and we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray over your life. Maybe you're like, my marriage is in trouble. Maybe you're thinking, man, I am I'm at a crisis moment in my life. I'm experiencing loss or shame or disappointment that I've never experienced and I don't know what to do. We want to pray with you. And I know that it's tempting to just say, you know what, wouldn't it be easier to do it later? But you and I both know that rarely happens. Life gets fast. You're going to zoom out of here. You're going to go on to the next thing and on to the next thing and on to the next thing. I want to invite you. We want to pray with you. We want to pray over your life. Would you worship with us in song? And if we can bless you in prayer, would you come to the back? We'd love to pray over you.